This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. When I was younger, we used to go out dancing, and you know, when we were young kids, you know, to the discos and all that. Lot. And after a couple of times, we I, I scored a, a couple of goals and just got a little bit excited and just started doing a little bit of a dance. And the little one at Sheffield Wednesday behind the goal, which was a nice goal. Uh, and then it, it just began to take off a little bit like that. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast discussing Ipswich Town up or down since 2015. I'm Richard Woodard and joining me for another collaboration interview with our friends at TWTD, the king of definite info, Phil Ham, And we're delighted to welcome one time top flight striker, a guy who made 346 career appearances, scoring 86 goals, enjoying playing spells, obviously in England, but France, Malaysia. Denmark and has since become a coach with um, with Ipswich with Notts County and since 2021 the head coach of the British Virgin Islands. Welcome in his British Virgin Islands orange shirt glowing at the room Chris Kiwomia. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good thank you. I'm very good. Good stuff and Phil welcome back. Great to have you with us as well. You doing all good right? Well. This busy time of year for you isn't it? Yeah, actually, it's all gone a bit fallow, hasn't it, on the transfer front at the moment, but um, I'm sure it'll all uh, take off again very soon. Kick into gear. Well, Chris, we'll be talking about um, your playing career um, and certainly interested to see how you're getting on at the British Virgin Islands and more bits and pieces like that. Um, Phil, I'll, I'll hand over to you. Yes, well, I think the best place to start, Chris, is uh, at the very beginning. And uh, a tournament at Shotley, I think, was kind of where you first kind of caught the eye. Yeah, yeah, I'd been scattered up north for Leeds, um, and the and the scout at the time, Tony Forthup, who ended up down at Bristol, recommended to Ipswich. He didn't want me to go since he was leaving Leeds. He wanted me to go. He didn't want me to sign for Leeds, so he recommended me to a guy uh, who was down at Ipswich, and I ended up coming down there. And they went, you know, I went for a trial, and they invited me back to play in the Shotley tournament. And it was just, it was just one of those. Bizarre situations where I was sub at the time, you know, they were playing all the players that they were, you know, they were going to give, you know, contracts to um, YTS's uh, apprenticeship uh, contracts to. And uh, I was begging Peter Vivian, who was a youth team manager at the time, to put me on, put me on, I'll do something, I'll, I'll try and score. You know, I just had that confidence at the time that 
I wanted to really have my opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, just I was Pete put me on Bobby Ferguson, the then first team manager, was walking across the pitch and stuck his umbrella to zip up his jacket, and the ball came across, went over my head, and I just, you know, threw my leg at it, and just the ball ended up in the top corner. And mm -hmm. it's like Bobby Ferguson was like, "Wow, who is that? You know, we need to sign him." Uh, and then it obviously just went on on uh, almost from there. Mm. So that was what you were sixteen at that point. Sixteen, yeah, yeah, around about nineteen eighty-six, yeah, around about the time mm -hmm. just starting down there. So just really, just a really, you know, important time for me. And I think you know those sliding door moments that can happen in life, where you know opportunity comes, opportunity knocks, and you've got to try and grab it. Mm. So it's a big move for you from Bradford to Ipswich at sixteen. Yeah, you know, listen, there was teams I could have signed for up north, uh, you know, Leeds, uh, Huddersfield and, you know, the Sheffield Wednesday, there was teams interested at the time, but uh, you know, I wanted to come down down south and test myself against in the southeast counties, as it was at the time, against the Chelsea's, the Arsenal's and, and the Tottenham's and just to see how good I was, but I think more importantly, coming down to the ground, I remember seeing, you know, a lot of young players in the team, Mark Brennan was in the team, in the first team at the time and you know, Jason's in the team and Michael Cole and, and, and Daly and Atkinson, they were all getting opportunities. And I just thought, wow, this is a, a breeding ground for young players to get opportunities. And I think as well, what was really important, it was like, you know, it was a family fight club. Really, you know, people looked after you. You felt as everybody who spoke with you, everybody welcomed you. And that was a special feeling that Ipswich had at the time. And, and, and I really wanted to be part of that. Mm. And Jason, you mentioned Jason. I, I gather you were on the bench at 16. And he was a bit concerned at quite how old you, how you know, 16 and how many days, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. You know, I've been called up to the Leicester game by Bobby Ferguson. I'd, I'd been doing well. And, uh, you know, we had Mish Davray and Ian Cranston, all those players were in the team at the time. Uh, and I remember Jason, you know, in the pre-match, Jason calling me, you know, looking across at me and saying, you could see his mind ticking away. And he was counting on his fingers, I think he was. <laughs> and he said to me, he said to me, how old are you? And I was like, you know, 16 or whatever. He goes, I said, no, nah, you're all right, Jason. Your title's going to be there for a long time yet. <laughs> so <laughs> he just started giggling. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to take that record, are they? No, yeah. no, no. Um, so Bobby Ferguson is the manager. Uh, hard taskmaster from what I've heard from uh, other players over the years. Yeah, yeah, it could be. But I quite, you know, I quite, I love playing for him. You know, he, he, he did put pressure on players. If he didn't, you always knew where you stood with him. You know, if you hadn't played well, he'd, he'd come in and let you know in certain you know, in certain terms, you know, but, you know, I wasn't a shrinking violent. I was like, okay. He said, you know, you're not, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And it could be aggressive in his approach, but you just have to kind of dust yourself down. And I think what was hard, I think, you know, when you leave home at 16 and you're staying in the digs and staying with a family and I had a really nice family up on, on Britannia Road there, you know, you just come back to your room. You know, you, you know, there was no mobile phones back in the day. So it was off to the telephone box, put 20 pence in or 50 pence, whatever it was speak to your mum, speak to your brothers and then go back in the next day and dust yourself down. Well, I think local players that were living locally could go home and have their home comforts and, you know, speak to everybody face to face. So that kind of toughened, you know, toughened me up a little bit as well. You know, you had to kind of, you know, rise to the challenges that were put ahead of you. But I like Bobby Ferguson. He was, he was a great football coach. Uh, you know, his sessions were always interesting, you know, and, uh, He'd worked on the Bobby Robson, so obviously, and Charlie Wood, so you know they were a good team. But like you say, he was a hard taskmaster, and not everybody's cup of tea. But yeah, you know, definitely my cup of tea. You know, it was good for me. And then after him came John Duncan. What was he like to work under? 
Yeah, John was, you know, John was different. He, you know, John came in and, you know, the club was going through a transition. Obviously, you know, we'd gone down to Division Two and, you know, it, it taken over from Bobby Ferguson. And I, you know, he was another one. I could always remember, though, one thing, I'm, you know, we sold Darren Atkinson to Sheffield Wednesday and he wrote in the paper, I'm not too bothered, really, because, you know, I've, I've got a young player coming through who's going to replace him. And I think he's just as good as, uh, or he's got the talent to be just as good as Darren and I remember thinking, oh, wow, this manager thinks I can be as good as... And then at the time, coming to the first team and, and was unbelievable. He's got a hat-trick against against Middlesbrough, being caught up to England under-20s. Under uh, but John, you know, saying that gave me, gave me so much confidence. And, and I think football, you know, 70% of it is about confidence and being able to, you know, go onto the pitch and express yourself. And that's what he did. He gave me the confidence and he gave me opportunities. He gave me my debut. Uh, and I'll always be thankful for that, really, because, you know, He's a good manager who showed a lot of trust in me. And then John Lyle, um, 1991, 14th in the division. But he told you, in, in sort of ahead of the, the, well, the end of that season, he told you we were going to get promoted the next year, didn't he? Yeah, I was a little jump in my car and drive back up north. And I think, we got, as you say, we finished 14th. It wasn't a great year. But, you know, for every manager, you need two or three transfer windows or, you know, you need to have that time to put your stamp of approval on a, on a team. And I remember being in the room with him and he was like, you know, what do you think of the season? I thought, well, it's all right. I could have been better. It's got a few goals. I'm feeling, you know, he said, like, we'll go up next season. And I was like, really? He says, yeah, yeah, we'll go up next season. I know what we've got to do. I know what we've got now. And I know what we have to bring in, you know, to change the dynamics to make us a team, you know, that can challenge. And I remember driving in my car, jumping in my car and driving up more thinking, this guy's in cuckoo land. You know, <laughs> I, mean? I, can't, I can't see us. You know, I can't see he's really challenging the top boys next season. But, you know, he was a manager that had been at West Ham for years. You know, had Ron Greenwood as, as his mentor, really top manager top, and a top footballing coach. But more importantly, John had worked under some of the best players in England with Trevor Brooking, Frank Lampard Sr., you know, Alan Devonshire, Billy Bonds, Alvin Martin. You can go through the names, Frank McAvenny, you, you know, Tony Cotty. You know, you could go through the names. So he'd had a lot of experience and he knew football inside out. Mm, mm. And he was, you've, you've said to me before that if you'd have met him earlier in your career, you'd have been a better player for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, definitely. Because he was, you know, it's, you know, some of the things he did, like, so when he came in, he would put on training sessions where I had to be able to play one, two or three touches, not run with the ball, which was, which was, I thought was my strength at the time, my running, but he said, no, that, that'll that take care of itself. And then he would then say, okay, you know, your second touch has to be forward. So if I ever came off flat and I couldn't see where the defenders were, I couldn't pass, couldn't pass forward. So he would put conditions on in training, which would make me come off on angles and being able to just understand the game a lot more. And, you know, you know, him coming to the club just changed my, the whole outlook. And I always kind of say to my children and to other people, it, it's funny because if you hadn't come in, maybe I would never have gone on and achieved some of the stuff that I, I achieved in the game. And it's like that maths teacher at school. If that maths teacher doesn't get on with you in the lesson and you're good at maths, you might not ever get, you know, fulfill your capability of being really good in life and, you know, and mathematics or, or something that leads with mathematics in it. So, you know, you know, being with Johnny, he was, he, he was brilliant. We, we could go to Old Trafford and, you know, I think this was 1992, 93. He would play with no strikers. He'd play like with me and Paul Goddard in between the fullbacks. And I remember he was saying we want Gary Pallister and 
and Steve Bruce to come down the middle of the pitch with the ball. So, you know, and now we've obviously got Pep Guardiola playing with a false nine, false ten and all these things. But, you know, football's the same. It's just a little bit different, you know what I mean? And, you know, matched up a little bit differently. But he always had a plan. And I always tend to think with with managers like that, it, you know, when you've got the best players, it's how you handle the best players because a lot of them are good players, top-class players, you know, so you've got to understand the personalities. When you've got a, a lesser group of talented team, how do you get the best out of them? How do you go to Old Trafford and get a result? You know what I mean? How do you adapt to the teams you're playing against? You know what I mean? How can you make every player in in your team 20% better? And I think that's what he did with that promotion team. Every player, from Neil Thompson, Phil Whelan, you know, myself, Jason, you know, John Walker was experienced who came in, Steve Palmer, Simon Milton. He made every every player 20% better and, and he got a good camaraderie with the team. And we were good friends on the pitch and off the pitch and we were able to go on great runs. You know, I think in that 92 season when, when we went up, we went on two runs after Christmas and, you know, in January and, and, and in March, around that time, when we won five on the bounce. Just big momentum swings, you know, gives you the confidence and it just gives you the momentum to get over the line. Mm. Rich? Yeah, well, let's talk about this 91-92 team because I, I get, as, as a member of that team, and uh, it, it, it feels like sometimes that, that success of that squad was maybe underestimated in comparison to what happened in 99-2000 and obviously Wembley. Do, do you get that sense? Do you think that team is maybe underappreciated for the quality that it had? I don't know about underappreciated, maybe not spoken about as much, you know, but I think people who were there, you, you know, those were exciting years, you know, especially those two years when we went up and then the first year in the Premier League was was so exciting, you know, we was out on the town going up to Hollywood and all, all the bars and all the clubs, and you know what I mean? And and it, it was just a great feeling, but, you know, that 99 team was probably, you know, you know, player to player, probably better than us, you know, I would say, you know, but we would... I don't know. I, I think we'd have found a good game. I think we'd have beaten them. I think we, we, would have, <laughs> we would have found a way to get, you know, to win the game because we could do that with the tactical nous of John and, and and just adapting to playing against teams. But you know, we all you can do as a player is is do your best at the time, and you know, you leave memories with you know with supporters. And I know that when I'm about in the town or, or going around, and even when I'm abroad, and people remind me of, of Ipswich, I'm always renowned. Oh, I remember you at Ipswich. Those years were, you know, were great years. So, you know, I think everybody, every supporter will have memories of each player, each season and what years were the great years for them, you know. And we just have to know that we played a part in a successful period of Ipswich Town Football Club, which, you know, if you'd have said to me, leaving home at 16, I'd be part of a team that would win promotion to the Premier League and we could beat Manchester United and and and, and, and do things like that. Those are great feelings that you would always, always remember. So, you know, it's not so much about what the supporters think is what about how you feel that you've done and and their and, and the memories that they have that they have for you. Yeah, and everyone has their their team, their Ipswich team growing up, don't they as well? Absolutely. What, what was the key, or who were the key kind of players in that squad to bring the best out of you? I think it was a 19 goal season in all comps. I think 16 in the league. You know, yeah. you mentioned Paul Goddard. We mentioned briefly Jason as well. But you yeah. know, how important were they to bring out the best in you? Really, really important. You know. And that's what I'm saying. I think John added added Steve Witten, you know, added, added Steve Witten to the team on the right wing, you know, very underestimated player, two-footed, you know, great way to pass, you know, and always available to take the ball. But I think the main combination was myself, Jason and and, and Paul Goddard, you know, and, you know, but then again, at the back, you had John Walker and, and David Linnigan, that were a good combination as well. So 
that was really important in the middle. In the middle, you had Simon Milton, who played a prominent role, scored scored big important goals. So we had a little blend of everything. But for the best for me was was Jason, and I think the main reason, and even becoming a coach, you know, you realise that when these guys, you you know, they could find pockets of holes, but when they played, when they got on the ball, they played forward passes. So, you know, nine times out of ten, they would always turn and, can I hurt, can I play a ball behind the space or can I play? And that was very important for myself, playing on the shoulder against against defenders, you know, when the spaces were there. But even then, just playing, you know, coming off and get them coming into those positions caused problems for many teams. They um, call it playing in between the lines now and make all these fancy words up for it. But, you know, the players have been doing that for, you know, for decades. You know, Eric Gates did it, didn't he, for Ipswich? In the, um, in the in the seventies and eighties, you know, he was coming off into pockets, and they couldn't handle that. Yeah, and I mean, plenty of moments throughout this season where your goals kind of have have the key contribution. You know, you mentioned those runs after Christmas. Um, we'll talk about towards the end of the season, but I do want to talk about the the cup run, the FA Cup run that season. We spoke to Simon Milton, and and I asked him about how it felt. Whether was that a confidence booster, was it a distraction, and he kind of felt it gave you guys confidence did you sense that you know going and playing at places like Anfield was great preparation for what was to follow the season after wasn't it I think so yeah you know taking Liverpool to extra time in two games at the time showed how far we'd we'd come as a team you know and really I thought the best opportunity was we could have tried to beat him we're done at our place it was a really windy day I always remember I had, I had a bit of half chance uh, at one stage and John Walk you know walk it the crossbar I believe it was with a header you know, so those opportunities that they've got to take, going up to Anfield was just an awesome night. You know, it was a good game and, you know, you never forget, you know, Jason got, a, you know, Jason got the 2-2. Gavin's got a great header. Gavin Johnson's got a great header. And, uh, you know, but then on the day, they had Jan Morbis going there. Unbelievable free kick. And Steve McManaman at the time went on to be obviously a world-class player, you know, scoring a great goal. So it was a great, you know, but like I say, those are the runs that give you the confidence. Then you, you get on the coach coming back and going, hey, we've just gone toe-to-toe with Liverpool there, really, you know. And although it's in the cup, it just gives you a, a confidence booster. And then, you know, towards the end of the season, you can just take it on from there. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you talked about the, the momentum runs, but it's fair to say there were a few wobbles towards the end. You know, there's a great game against Newcastle. Do you do you score the winner against Newcastle? Now 3-2. They were my lucky team with Newcastle. I think I scored against them five or six times. <laughs> you know, so, you know, that was a really great game. But I remember thinking of them because, you know, Kevin Keegan had just taken over. The momentum was with them. They brought down the whole fans. And Gavin Peacock, who I went to play with, uh, I ended up playing with at, at Queen's Park Rangers. He mentioned the game all the time because he's got two great goals. But, you know, getting that 3-2 win was really important. And, and me scoring the winner was, you know, really great at the, at the time because of, it was a full house and, you know, yeah, we won that game and then we went on, on a little bit of a wobble. But I just think at the time, you know, I mean, it's always hard. It was the first time we've been in that position and we just had to try and get over the line. A few probably a few late nights after that, after that Newcastle game probably didn't help as well. But, you know, we managed to do it in the end at Oxford. Yeah, and some some great memories, some, you know, fans on the pitch, which is kind of, you know, it's what, it's what we love. Um, and, yeah. and big moments, the home game against Brighton, obviously getting the trophy. You know, talk to us about that. You know, that's kind of what, what footballers must dream of. Well, it is, you know, one of my favourite pitches is I've, I've got the picture I was looking at the other day, really. It's, uh, we played against Newcastle when I scored the winner and one of the fans, you know, two, one or two of the fans run on the pitch and are hugging me. Yes. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, 
it means so much to those fans and you know that fan is in my, <laughs> is in my living room all the time so you know what I mean he does it so he doesn't even know that but you know it just shows the emotion that was in the town at the time uh and 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 the victory you know what I mean you know going up against Kevin Keegan's team who had, who had some good players and 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 getting the victory to try and get us closer to you know winning the title and as you say you, you know winning the last game at Brighton at home you know, was good. You know, we created the the trophy before the game, so <laughs> it kind of tells you, you know, how relaxed we were. You know, normally we'd probably do it after the game, but we did it before the game and went on to win the game. I think we won three one in the end, uh, uh, and it was just a great day. We had our, our player of the year do after, you know, and then I think the parade of the bus around around it, which was another <laughs> was another story as well. So everything just you know falling falling into place at the right time. Yeah, I've, I have to ask you about the infamous suit as well from the bus parade. A, a particularly <laughs> fashionable choice there. Was it a lilac suit in the? A end? lilac suit. It was that. Yeah. It wasn't pink. It was a lilac suit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So uh, actually, I went and spent a little bit of money uh, over in Colchester, you know, to get the suit. Where I would wear that now, I probably still got it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. In the wardrobe, I don't know if I could wear. It. I think I might have worn it to a, a fancy dress a few years later. Uh, but yeah, listen, it was. It was a bit brave, but it was summer. You know, there's people like Phil Wheel, Phil Wheel and Frank Yellett wearing black suits. Just won the league, man. Come on. <laughs> you got to liven up a little bit, you know what I mean? Show your character. Mind you, that, that was their character, Phil Wheel and bit down. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, so I thought I'd liven it up and have a bit of fun on the day. Great days. Good. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Tough. Phil. And of course, the song. The Kiwomia Lord. I mean, that, that, I can remember that floating around the ground. I mean, it's yeah, that must feel terrific, doesn't it? Iconic. It was crazy because obviously, you know, Kumbaya Lord is is is, uh, is is a Christian song that they sing. Uh, and I remember, it was, I think it was a West Ham. You know, I used to warm up 
when I was like, you know, just getting into the team when I was 17. And there'd be five or six guys saying, Kumbaya, my lord, home, yeah. And I remember looking, going, oh, that's a nice little, nice little catch, you know, nice little catchy rhyme. And then the North Stand got hold of it. And then it was, you know, it was just brilliant. You know what I mean? I think there were some games, you know, you, you just run out there, you score, and they'd be singing your name, you know. And I remember going, you know, going abroad and, you know, you bump into fans and they go, oh, they sing that, that song about you. So it's just, listen, just really good memories and, you know, really special. I had a really, you know, special relationship with Ishwish Town fans. They were really good to me. And, you know, I, I was saying to my, my son the other day, if I had my chance to, you know, to do it all again, what team would I choose to, you know, to start my career with? Ipswich all every day, Ipswich. Hmm. But it's not just in the ground though, wasn't it? A story about the station? Yeah, no, yeah. We played against Sheffield Wednesday and we, uh, you know, I brought my mum and all my family came down because it was in Sheffield. And, you know, you know, being a Yorkshire, being a Yorkshire lad, it was a special game for me. Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday were always special games for myself. Uh, and I think David Erskott put that one up and then I just got a, a nice little cheeky goal. Uh, and then I was taking my mum and my brother back to the train station at Sheffield uh, and dropping them off. And when we got the other Ipswich fans were on the other platform ready to head south while the, my mum was going north. And there must have been about 200, 300 just singing the song in the train station. And my mum was nearly crying. So probably one of the special moments where my mum kind of thinks, oh, he's doing okay. He's doing all right. I think somebody likes him. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yeah, really nice. Hmm. So we, we win the second division, the old second division as it was, into the first year of the Premier League. That must have increased your profile as a, as a footballer enormously. It did. There was challenges. I remember being on the plane and, and me and Jason sitting together coming back and, you know, we looked at the fixture list. It was, I think we went to Finland or somewhere on, on, in, in pre-season or Sweden or somewhere. And I remember saying, God, I've got Manchester United, I've got Liverpool, and then we've got Tottenham. <laughs> and I remember thinking, God, and I remember going, I don't know where our first win's going to come from. And Frank Yellick was over over here and he says, how about where, where our first shot's going to come from? <laughs> <laughs> so it was just so funny at the time because, you, you know, all of a sudden you're in the real world thinking, wow, there's, there's no easy games. You know what I mean? There's no, you, you, you know, in your first six games, you could have, you know, Tottenham away, you know, Chelsea or at home or, or Liverpool or Manchester United. You know, Aston Villa, who were, a, who, were a, who were a top team at the time, you know, so they're all difficult games. So you're kind of going, wow, this is what it's like. You know, it's, it's not as though you're going to go to Bristol City away, no disrespect to Bristol City. So it's kind of like, oh, wow, you know, you've got to be up for it. I remember that pre-season really getting my head down. I wanted to get off to a good start. And uh, I ended up going against Liverpool and Manchester United in, in, in consecutive games. So that gave me a bit of confidence. But it was, it was really hard. It was really hard because you come up against really top-class defenders week in if it's not Tony Adams one week and then you know it'd be Gary Pallister or Steve Bruce the next week so you had to be on your game and you had to be I always remember thinking though what kind of goals you know you might have to get rebounds off the goalkeepers as well as the individual goals got to try and sniff out as many goals as possible you know from corners from set pieces we you know they were really really important mm, mm. I mean yes you say yeah you were kind of uh, worried about the start but 1-1 draw with Aston Villa on the opening day with uh Daly Atkinson, the great Daly Atkinson scoring the uh, equaliser for, for Villa. Uh, one nil win away at Wimbledon. So that, that's only second game. It didn't take long for that first win to come, did it? And then no. one one draw with Man United, two two draw with Liverpool, one one draw with Tottenham. So you know you you you, you made a, a very decent start, really, didn't you? 
I think so. And it's and sometimes, you know, that's a good question and, and teams understand that sometimes it's really good to play those teams early. You mm. know what I mean? Because they're not in the stride yet. You don't really look at the table until your first ten games. That gives you a little picture of 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 where you're at, you know what I mean? So getting those teams early before they're in the stride and up and running. You know, some players haven't hit form, some players are not fit yet, you know, team managers haven't got the best team yet, haven't just had the best teams. We knew our team. So, you know, getting those results early give us a little bit of confidence. And I think we ended up doing really well. And when we beat Manchester United, I think it was around the end of January, we were something like fifth or sixth in the table. Mm. You know. Uh, and then once again, you know, it got a lot harder because teams begin to know who your danger players are. They've seen you play for, for four or five months now. They know your your patterns of play and and, and they kind of are able to stop you. You know, so there's all those things that come into it, you know. So, you know, once again, it got difficult towards the end of the season, but we managed to get over the line again and stay up again. Mm, which, of course, was probably the aim at the start of the season more than anything else, wasn't it, to to stay up? So um, there must be plenty of memories. Obviously, beat Leeds 4-2 at, at Foreman Road. And they wow. were the champions at the time, weren't they? There was, there was. And what a team they had. David Batty was a good player. Eric, I think Eric Cantona, well, Eric Cantona was there. Uh, with his colours up, uh, they had Gary McAllister, Gary Speed, God bless him. Really, you know, some really good players. You know, what I mean, uh, uh, Chris White, David Fairclough, uh, yeah, Chris Fairclough. There are so many players there that were difficult, you know, to play against. And I think they played in the Champions League the week before. But that game, you know, that day was a, a, another special day. You know, I scored. I think Jason scored, and and Walker got a couple as well. So, you know, we were showing that. You know, we were there on our own right, on our own merits, and we could and we could mix it with those boys at the time. You know, uh, everybody was playing with each other, and we had a really great confidence. You know, we beat Leeds, we beat you know, we ended up beating Manchester United. So, it wasn't no fluke why we were doing these things at the time. Mm, mm. I mean, it must be you know, pretty special scoring old track. Do you pinch yourself when you're sort of when you're in the corner doing your your dance? You're sort of pinching yourself, thinking, "Bloody hell, I'm at Old Trafford." Well, that's what I thought at the time, but <laughs> I was so gutted because they were doing the real build of the, stair, um, of the stand, the Stratford yeah. end at the time. So you, you've got one guy with his cap doing a little bit of work with his <laughs> worker's cap on. And, uh, you know, but listen, I was, you know, there's another thing I'm getting on the coach going, you know, going back down south after to Ipswich. And I'm thinking to myself, if you told me when I was growing up, I'd be able to score at Old Trafford. It's another, you know, it's, it's another something, you know, that I'd be really proud of. You know, especially with the players that they had on the uh, on the pitch at the time. You know, they had good players in C and you know Ryan Giggs, certain players like that. So just once again, like a milestone ticked off in my box, but something for Ipswich to be proud of. You know, we were now going to Old Trafford and and getting one ones, mm -hmm. and winning at Norwich. That's another a big day for you as well. The, uh, the Derby victory at Carrow Road. Always lovely. Always lovely to uh, to beat Norwich. You know, and I think that was a big game built. It was live on Sky. Uh, and I remember, you know, they had a good team. Norwich had a good team in those days with Megson and and and, and Rule Fox. You know, I think Chris Sutton was around there at the time. You know, they had they had a really good team. You know, Jeremy Goss. You know, what I mean, so they they were a good team, and that was a big game for us. Really, we had to, you know, we had to go up that day, and we wanted the victory for the fans. You know, because it was live on Sky. It's first time we've been back. You know, in the Premier League. You know, the newly formed Premier League, and and, and to score the first goal, and and you know, was so important. Which I which I uh, happily took, and then Neil Thompson's going right at the end to just sign off. I remember coming back to it, which we had a really good night out. Or you know what I mean, again, and really really enjoyed the moment.
Mm. So that season, is a, you, you've 19 goals in the... In, in all competitions, um, as you say, the team, the, the, the sort of performance you slipped away towards the end, but you, you got over the line. Um, any interest in you in that close season, having kind of, you know, established yourself really as a, as a, as a Premier League striker, or at least shown that you could, uh, you, you could uh, cope with the level? Absolutely. But I know for a fact there was interest from teams, but, you know, John was, uh, you know, John Lyle was like a father figure to me really good you know on and off the pitch he guided me and you know so and i knew that there was you always had interest from different agents calling you up and and and, and everything but i was quite happy at switch you know what always worried me is you know we didn't have a lot of money anyway did we so you know how you've got to always try to keep improving the team each year you know be it one or two players no matter what club you have or fresh faces you know to do that so that always kind of but at the time i was listen i was 22 something like that. So I wasn't particularly bothered about who we're bringing in. What I was particularly bothered about is, you know, could I keep, you know, you know, could I keep going? Could we keep the team together? Uh, and could I, you know, could I do just as well? I know it's always going to be hard in the second year. Could I do just as well in the second year? Mm. Rich? Yeah, well, the, the kind of changing personnel for the next season is, is, is kind of an important part of, the story for your season for the followed in it because because jason departs for, for spurs yeah um, and that's a, obviously that. a creative partner there that you relied on and ian marshall comes in as well and a bit of a bit of a change of style perhaps that didn't Absolutely. suit you maybe yeah yeah listen paul goddard and i mentioned and jason were instrumental in in a lot of my goals and you know and and the way we played you know we brought in ian marshall or you know, listen ian marshall was a really really good striker very mobile very good finisher you know, but I thought we, you know, well, I know we became more direct, more, you know, in the midfield, get it wide, get it in the box. You know, I wasn't a, a six foot, six foot two centre forward that was going to score loads of headers. So it was always going to be a little bit more difficult. And also, you know, teams, you know, suss you out. They, they know how you like to play. They know who, you know, who the players are that can handle the ball in midfield. And, you know, we were playing basically a 4 4 2 or. 4-4-1-1 if you want to call it but with me and Marshall it was 4-4-2 you know so there's nobody coming off and it got a little bit direct I probably you know and I struggled a little bit but you know I was still dangerous I was still looking and Johnny should say you just got to try and keep on going try and find but you know with a with a change in personnel it didn't really suit me as much as 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 how we had to play because now we weren't playing as much football as we had in the previous year and we're a little bit more direct which really probably didn't suit me you know so I never flourished in um, in the years after that, really, as much as I could have done, you know, we did bring in, you know, Paul Mason was a good addition, you know, good feet, but you know, but it wasn't it wasn't the team, it wasn't the same attacking movements that we had the previous two years. And your your game probably a lot of people remember for the, just the the pace they're getting in behind, um, but your hold up play. And I think it was it ninety one ninety two. There's a there's a load of assists in in that season for you as well. Was, was was developing that part of the game important for you as well? Those seasons too. I think it was. I think it's really important. John used to mention you know we've got to start off from the back when we're building up first. So you've got to get more involved in the in, in the hold up play. But there were little things like that. Paul Goddard was really good at things like that. You know, I remember him. He didn't play in one game. He was injured, and he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna sit in the stand. I'm gonna write down." How many times when the ball comes up to you, you give it to us, and how many times you give it to them? And that's what he said. He said, "I'm going to write down how many times you give it to us, and you give it to them." So I remember being on the pitch, thinking, "Got to give it to us." And I had the ball, give it, you know, give it to us, give it to us. And after the game, he said, "Well done." 
well done. He said, you hold up play. Because when teams are coming to look at you, they're not just looking at your, your strengths, looking at your weaknesses as well. So if you're, you know, if you're witnessing holding a ball is, is you know, if you're a, a three out of 10, you've got to get up to a six. So you've got to give us the ball, you know, seven, eight times out of 10, you know, not giving us it, you know, three out of 10. So there's all those little things that were really important. So, and like you say, I take, I've got my son now who goes through all the videos and looks at stuff and he goes, do you know when you scored 19 goals, dad, that you got, uh, you got 10 assists? I was like, no, did I? So I said, that'd be pretty decent in today's market, wouldn't it? He said, yeah, yeah. You know, if you look at the Premier League now, it's so competitive. It is so hard. You know, defenders are better. You know, defenders, are, a lot of them are athletes. They understand the game. There's low blocks going on or defending deep, whatever you want to call it, you know, going on the game. So if you get 10 goals a season in the Premier League now, you've had a good season, you know, with a lot of the teams. There's only the, only the top teams, you know what I mean, that are playing at the... Uh, the Manchester Cities that are getting the 22 goals or, or 20 goals a season. You look at the top, you know, I think Richarlison at Everton got 10 goals this season. Uh, and I think a lot of them came in the last two months of the season, three months of the season. So it, it just goes to show you how the game has changed and how much more difficult it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you say, the, the difficulty of the game, you, you mentioned it before there, kind of from, 93 um, 94 staying up on the last day against Blackburn maybe as supporters alarm bells perhaps ringing for us about how we stayed up and and what we do about that in 94 95 and and really as as players did you think we did enough in that 94 95 season or maybe was the Premier League and all the money starting to get away from us a little bit yeah yeah it was getting away and I think there's only so much you could do you know John I think John was looking to more move upstairs as well. And I think he tried to do it towards the end when he was at Ipswich and gave the reins to Mick McGiven and and, um, and John Walk and, and Paul Goddard. You know, when you, when there's no influx of money coming in, you know, you can only get so fast, you know, sometimes. And they're taking the money for Jason. And I know that they turned down money from other clubs for myself at the time. Uh, so you're just wondering how you want. I was out of contract and it was difficult. You know, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I've been here nine years now, watch around the corner. And I think, you know, John left in December 94, you know, and then it was kind of like, he was my mentor. He was like a father figure to me. Uh, and, I, and then that's when I began to really think, well, look, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. And George Burley came in and I got on really well with George. You know, I could see he had good ideas and, and he was going to be a good coach for us. But I just, you know, when Arsenal came knocking on the door, uh, and George said to me, look, you can go speak with him, but come back and we'll sort something out. I'm like, you don't let somebody go down to Arsenal and see the marble floors and then kind of, <laughs> and see the, uh, and meet the players. And, you know, I remember getting down there and they're saying, look, you know, if you sign before Thursday at 12, you know, we can put you into the, uh, into the, into the Cup Winners' Cup, what it was called at the time, you know? So it was like, oh, wow, you know, this is a done deal. So I had my medical on the, uh, on, on the, on the Wednesday. And it was done deal by the Thursday. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Just before we, um, two bits before we um, leave the Ipswich questions, I need to talk to you about the Kiwamia wiggle. Phil briefly mentioned it, but we need to hear about that. I'm sure there are people kind of, we're kind of half half an hour in or so, we haven't heard about that. Where did that come from? Listen, you know, it's just one of those silly, I, I, I cringe now when my, uh, you know, when my children mention it to me, by the way, and they start showing me a few on the old, on the old videos uh no listen when i was younger we used to go out dancing as you know when we were young kids you know to the discos and all that lot. and 
after a couple of times we I, I scored a, a couple of goals and just got a little bit excited and just started doing a little bit of a dance and did the little one at Sheffield Wednesday behind the goal which was a nice goal uh and then it, it just began to take off a little bit like that listen I look back now and it was embarrassing but you know what good fun at the time and you know it gave the fans something to laugh and giggle about as well we all love that, definitely. And finally, in, in terms of player perspectives and, and moving from 93, 94 to 94, 95, you mentioned the kind of upheaval off the pitch as well. You know, John Lyle moves into a kind of a, a, a director of football kind of role. Mick McGiven comes in. There's kind of protests at the end of the 93, 94 season. And then obviously George comes in very inexperienced that time. Just as a player, talk to us about how that uncertainty or or how how you guys react to that as players and and what that gives you in terms of confidence and your mindset well it's, it, it's difficult for the players because really sometimes you've had a manager that has, has taken us to a, a good heights and created so many memories in the town but you can see it's beginning to you know it's, it's beginning to lose its shine a little bit you know for what you know for the you know no you know no money coming in you know, no expenditure on players, which is which you can't really afford to do. You know, our players been there too long and other players good enough. You know, once you get to a level, the hardest thing in football is to maintain. You know, anybody can win the league once. And this is why Manchester United were so good in the in the nineties. They didn't want to let go. You know what I mean? They, so when they won the league, they had to win it again. They wanted to win it three times on the bounce, you know. And that's the hardest thing for anybody can win a, a league once or you look at the even in tennis now, these tennis players, you know, <laughs> You know, they're winning, you know, 20 grand slams, 22 grand slams. The level's just gone up. They're not happy with four, five, six, seven. They keep on, on pushing each other. And I think a little bit with us, we'd hit the ceiling and we just couldn't maintain it no more. And like you say, the Premier League was getting more and more money was going up. All of a sudden, the record fee was going 7 million for Andy Cole as a striker. You know, I mean, Alan Shearer then moves later on, you know, he moves for 15 million, you know, but we're, we're still down in that low where we spend a million pounds on, on Steve Sedley, which is the record at the time, you know, and it's kind of like, well, that's just one player, you know, and is he going to be, he's not something he's going to open up the, you know, he was a really good player with Steve, uh, with Sedge, but you know what I mean? You need creative players in wide areas, you know? So what I would say to you, when we played in, in, in 92, I remember going to Arsenal and they're saying, well, one of George's plans was, if we get all the Kiwami and Dazel, we kind of like won the game. We can win the game. That's what that's what their thing was. So, if us tore out the game, who else is going to now grab the grab the game by the throat and, and make something happen? You know, sometimes in a good team, if two if two players are quiet, another two need to stand up and and take hold of the game. And those were the and those were the little things really. So I spoke to Mervyn Day, who was a scout of Brighton. I had a lot of respect to Mervyn. I tried to bring him in at North County, couldn't bring him in. I said, Mervyn, tell me about Grealish. I want him. I think I can get him. Is that Villa's in the youth team is a bit slight, but he's the kind of player that I like. He's, he's slight, he can dribble, you know what I mean? He's courageous. Mervyn went, give me two minutes, I'm going to my file. So Chris, take him. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. 
If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.